Today, I am using my podcast to speak to people, especially white women, especially white women that consider themselves conservative Christians who are finding themselves in a place of cognitive dissonance, who are struggling because of the internal conflict that is raging, that are feeling lost, confused, and powerless. Many of you are sincerely questioning, how did this happen? How did we get here? Specifically, how did the United States become this country where we are constantly seeing an abuse of power and more and more people are living in a place of fear that their rights and maybe even their lives may be in danger? It's my job and my passion as a gaslighting specialist to name and explain how that abuse of power has not and is not being seen as what it truly is by millions of people. This is the main point of today's podcast episode. Now, I just want to be clear, I'm not here trying to convince people to believe this perspective or that perspective. There are plenty of people out there already that are doing that. I chose to speak up in this episode because I know that unless people can see and then confront the gaslighting that they have experienced, they won't be able to see past the bullshit. <laughs> they, they won't be able to do the wrestling that they need to do in order to get out of that cognitive dissonance. And that's what, quote, they want. And yes, there is a, quote, they. You see, we can only stay in that dissonance for so long. And if we haven't gotten clarity about the gaslighting, we will default to the perspectives our gaslighters want us to have. I'm Sarah Morales, the host of this podcast. Do you have an experience or topic you'd like me to connect to gaslighting? Do you want to understand the role that gaslighting may have played in what you've been experiencing? If so, I'd love to have you on the show. Check out the show notes for the link or go to sarahmoralescoaching.com backward slash contact to let me know. Now, before I go any further, I'd like to take a moment to say that really the U.S. hasn't become this place where abuse of power is a new thing. My black, brown, and LGBTQ plus listeners know it's always been a part of the fabric of this country. The rest of us, and I include myself in that, have just within the past, I don't know, I'll, I'll say five-ish years or less, have been just waking up to this. Like I said in a recent Instagram post, I'm sorry, especially to my black and brown friends and listeners, I was listening, but I wasn't listening hard enough. And I for sure haven't been doing enough. So buckle up, people. We are going to go hard on this topic of cognitive dissonance and gaslighting uh, today. Oh, and I probably should just give a trigger warning for pretty much the whole episode. Um, because I'm not going to pull any punches and I'm not going to hold back on what needs to be said out of a fear of offending some people. I'm not going to sugarcoat a damn thing. So um, today is a solo podcast. I felt it was an important thing. I felt almost like a responsibility to bring this message to my listeners, especially so that y'all can um, 
can share this with friends and family and on your social media pages. So the word of the day today is cognitive dissonance. And I've already said it a few times. Many of us know what it is, but for those of us who it's a new term to, I want to give you a definition. According to verywellmind.com, the term cognitive dissonance is used to describe the mental discomfort that results from holding two conflicting beliefs, values, or attitudes. You're like, doesn't that sound like what so many people are experiencing in this country in so many different ways? Conflicts, two huge conflicts between different beliefs, different values, and different attitudes. In my free video series, I lay this out in more detail, but for today's purposes, I felt it important to highlight that this experience of trying to hold two conflicting beliefs is always experienced as a result of chronic gaslighting. Now, let me let me reverse that and say that one more time. So if you are in a, a relationship, whether that's a relationship with an intimate partner, a relationship with your church, a relationship with the government, like all these different places, we have different types of relationships. And if in that relationship there is chronic gaslighting, you will always experience cognitive dissonance. You will. I guarantee it. It's part of the... the um, the process or the um, the kind of buildup of effects of chronic gaslighting. You start off with confusion, you end off with loss of self, and the middle of that is cognitive dissonance. Okay, so um, I want to unpack this a little bit today through the story time by sharing three examples from my own life of how I came to recognize the cognitive dissonance that I was unknowingly experiencing and how I found peace. Okay, I think this is so important for us in our current climate in our country. Um, and for those of you that are international listeners, I know I know that y'all see it. So um, I know that y'all will be able to re- relate. Okay, I am intentionally sharing stories around the issues I see that are currently pol- polarizing many everyday citizens of the U.S. and deeply affecting many of those who have ascribed to the Christian faith. Now, even if you don't ascribe to this faith, I make up that the stories I'm going to share will still be relatable and will help you know how to engage in conversations with your loved ones who do ascribe to this faith. So please join me as I share a few stories here. So number one, okay, told you I wasn't going to pull any punches. I'm going to start with my earliest knowing of what I would call cognitive dissonance. And for me, it was something, something just wasn't lining up. It didn't feel right. It didn't feel good. I was like, no, this can't, this can't be what this is, right? So this was the first time I experienced a deep cognitive dissonance. Now, a little bit of history is I grew up, as many of y'all know from my previous podcast episodes where I've talked about myself, I grew up conservative Christian in the Bible Belt. And I went to a Lutheran high school where chapel was a mandatory part of school. I think it was three times a week. I honestly don't remember anymore. I think it was Monday, Wednesday, Friday, but it might have been only Monday, Friday. I don't know. Anyways, point is, Boy, I don't remember at what age it started. I make up freshman year, but um, I sat through both in my church and in the chapel at my school, many pro-life rallies, what they call have called pro-life, right? Where I sat through hearing stories of, again, trigger warning, of babies 
put into dumpsters and watched videos talking about babies being torn apart in their mother's womb and how they could feel this pain. And I was told it was my responsibility as a Christian to speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. Proverbs 31.8. So of course, being the good little Christian girl that I was, I was a total rule follower. I signed up to go protest at an abortion clinic. I was probably 16 at the time that I did this. What I experienced at that protest shook me. Hatred was what I felt. Not me personally, like around me. I left convinced. I mean, I I could go on and on about all the different things and I'm sure y'all know, but I left convinced that this was not right. That that handling of things, that way of treating people, that way of talking, like all of it, it was not right. And it was not the way to treat other human beings. I knew that in my soul, this was not right. And yet I felt such guilt anytime it was talked about because I didn't stop going to church and I didn't stop hearing or having to go to these pro-life rallies. So I would hear it talked about in my church and school, chapel, and all of these different places. And I felt like I was somehow bad or not fulfilling my duty to these unborn babies. And yet this other part of me that was like, this is not right. This is not the way to handle this. This is cognitive dissonance, this huge conflict and not knowing what to do. Now, again, I'm not here to talk about the, the, the way that I have found or what I believe or what I think now. What I'm here to talk about today is to highlight what cognitive dissonance feels like, sounds like, so that we can begin to identify it. And in a little bit, when I get to the deconstruction zone, I'm going to highlight the way that in each of these experienced, I experienced gaslighting and that contributed to my cognitive dissonance, okay? So um, that was my first experience of knowing, and that is obviously around the topic of abortion, which is, of course, a very hot topic in our country. And I know many, many people that are in the conservative Christian world that feel cognitive dissonance around this. So I wanted to speak to this point. The second point that I want to talk about and moving on from abortion, I want to talk about my second realization of cognitive, cognitive dissonance, which had to do around race and racism. So again, a little bit of background. I grew up in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Now, I don't know what the stats are from my childhood, but I make up they're fairly close to now. Um, so I went on and I Googled it and I wanted to know what the population of different ethnic backgrounds were. Um, different races in Milwaukee. And uh, just a brief synopsis would be that the white population makes up 42% of the population and black or African-American makes up 39% of the population. So that's only a 3% difference, um, which feels really congruent with what I grew up with. So some of my strongest memories around elementary school, uh, so going all the way back, was of my best friend, Lakeisha. I don't know. I haven't stayed in contact with her, but I don't I don't know if she would consider herself today if it would be black or African American, but back then I knew her as black. And she was my best friend. It didn't matter to me. Like I didn't, you know, for me what I saw was my best friend, this girl that I loved playing in, uh, recess with and, you know, doing um, spelling bees within all of these different things, right? Um fast forward to middle school. 
And I was only one of two white girls on the basketball team. Um, I'm trying to, to show like I was, it was a part of my, my world. It was normal for me to be interacting, especially with the black and African American communities, right? I loved TV shows and movies that featured black, black and African American people, et cetera. I did not see myself as better than my people of color friends in any way. So why do I say all that? <laughs> right. Why do I, so back a few years when um, it, for me, with my white privilege, when things first started to become so explosive that my awareness level <laughs> was shook. Right. Like, oh, wow, I didn't know all of these things. Right. Like I felt I had known a lot. So because of that. I didn't think because I grew up with black people. They were my best friends. I play basketball, like all of these things. I didn't think I was a part of the systemic racism that I was somewhat aware of. I knew that it was out there, but I wasn't a part of it. In fact, it was initially really hard for me to accept that I was a part of the problem. I fought that so hard. I resisted accepting that me not being aware of my privilege before a few years ago was a part of the systemic problem. This, again, is where cognitive dissonance showed up. I knew I needed to educate myself if I was going to be a part of the change instead of a part of the problem. And I didn't want to see myself in that light. I didn't want to see myself as part of the problem. I had loved quite a few black people in my life. And I didn't want to think that I somehow had been part of the problem. Cognitive dissonance, right? And finally, the topic of LGBTQ+. Again, due to the church and denomination that I grew up with, I was taught that same-sex romantic or sexual relationships were, quote, an abomination, which technically means contrary to nature. And I could do a whole podcast episode on that, but that's not what I'm here for today. Um, I've shared this before, but for my new listeners who maybe haven't heard my 2.0 story uh, quite a few episodes back, I can remember back to as early as late elementary school, early middle school, being attracted to other females. Because this was, quote, an abomination, I didn't feel like it was okay for me to have those feelings or attractions. So I pushed them down or so push them down slash wouldn't acknowledge them. Or I would tell myself I should have been a man because only men are allowed to love women that way. And I would have loved a woman really well. The thing is, these attractions never went away. It was a constant battle for me. This battle created cognitive dissonance, internal conflict between the desire to be, to just be me and the crushing shame I felt for these struggles. So to sum up my three stories, one, abortion, two, race and racism, three, LGBTQ. I experienced cognitive dissonance in all three of these areas. So how did gaslighting contribute or outright be responsible for the cognitive dissonance that I had been experiencing. Let's take this into the deconstruction zone. So today I've shared personal stories that I believe connect with a lot of the issues that are huge points of immense conflict in the United States. I shared how they created cognitive dissonance for me. 
In the deconstruction zone, I want to illuminate the gaslighting behaviors that caused these cognitive dissonances, if that's a word, so that those who are currently struggling with cognitive dissonance around any of these topics can be made aware and confront them. Now, note, as I share this deconstruction part and the the gaslighting behaviors that I am able to highlight, I'm not trying to speak to the motives or agendas or awarenesses of the people in my story. So if you don't know what I'm talking about from that, go back and listen to my episode where I talk about the gaslighting scale. I believe it's called I'm a Real Blonde or something like that, okay? And that will help you understand that I don't think everybody that gaslights is aware that they are doing it, okay? So these people may or may not have been aware of what they were doing. Some people, when they gaslight, and in fact, I make up some of the people that gaslit me around these topics were just regurgitating the gaslighting that they had experienced growing up. They didn't know that it was gaslighting. They weren't trying to manipulate me or control me or break me, and yet they were gaslighting me, right? And yet it caused cognitive dissonance in my life. And yet it caused me to take on values that were not my own and abandon ones that were my own. So let's take a look at this. Number one, regarding abortion, the gaslighting tactics of distorting facts, ignoring the parts of reality that didn't support their beliefs or their agenda, refusing to accept answers they didn't want laying on guilt trips, being inconsistent with the use of principles or Bible verses, exaggerating the faults of the women or the doctors. These were things that were used to manipulate, play mind games, and brainwash people, including me, into taking on not only their beliefs about abortion, but also what must be done about it as their own right? This is gaslighting. So I want to highlight these because I see these still being used today rampantly. Gaslighters in this topic using inconsistencies, right? Exaggerating faults, not not laying out all of the reality, only sharing partial truths, all of these types. I still see these very same things being used today to create cognitive dissonance in people and to manipulate really honestly good people into furthering their agenda. So when it comes to race and racism, and well, let me back, let me pause here. In the not too distant future, I'm bringing on a guest to deconstruct the racism point and just in a podcast episode by itself. So we're going to go into that more then. But for today, I want to say that we may see many of these same tactics, right? So we see many people that are perpetuating racist ways of thinking and living and all of these things by using all of those tactics that I just talked about, okay? But for this one, I want to further talk about and highlight the component of self-gaslighting. Okay, again, I directed this podcast episode towards my fellow white women, right, or white men, um, and then especially the white conservative Christian women. Um, But for us, speaking to us, people that consider themselves or call themselves white, it's really hard to hold the shame that comes with the awareness that one has unknowingly been a part of systemic abuse right? This goes back to the gaslighting scale I teach on my video series. And again, that one podcast, 
We don't have to be aware that we are doing a gaslighting behavior in order to do that gaslighting behavior. And one of the most common unaware gaslighting motives is a defense mechanism as a response to fear or shame. So I would like to specifically name self-gaslighting taking the form of minimizing, ignoring the bits of reality that we feel like we can't handle or don't relate to us, and exaggerating things that soothe our shame, fear, or sense of powerlessness, okay? So like the positive qualities about ourselves as it pertains to systemic racism, right? So this is what I did, right? So my question is, is it possible that you're doing it too, right? We cannot be okay with saying, you know what? Well, I love black people. I love, you know, African-American people. I love my, you know, Latina sisters or whatever you want to say, however you want to say, AOC is my favorite, <laughs> whatever you, what, right? Like we have to hold both. We cannot allow ourselves to gaslight ourselves around the impact or lack of impact that we have. We need to step into a fullness of reality if we are going to change systemic racism in this country. Number three, talking about the LGBTQ plus community. Again, um, a lot of the same techniques and tactics that I first pointed out regarding the abortion issue. But with this one, what I wanted to add in here is that I see a lot of diversion that happened both in my childhood, my adulthood, and now. And then I wanted to highlight um, that there is just, it, it just infuriates me <laughs> how much I see people changing and twisting things so that they support their beliefs or their agenda. So please, as you're trying to sit with this, those of you who might be in cognitive dissonance about this, please be aware of the things where people are twisting truths, they're twisting facts, they're changing them so that they support their agenda. So let's take this into how we can turn this into setting our alarms. I'm going to give two different types of alarms today for those who are experiencing cognitive dissonance and then those who want to be able to talk with loved ones who are experiencing cognitive dissonance around these three things. And I mean, anything else really, but especially these three things. So number one, for those of you who are experiencing the cognitive dissonance, I would love for you to give yourself permission to first acknowledge the internal conflict. It's okay to feel uncomfortable. This doesn't mean you're doing something wrong. It actually means you're pushing back against likely programming that you have experienced, aka brainwashing and gaslighting, right? It often means we're on to something. Okay. Number two or sub point <laughs> to the first point is it's not only okay, but it's good to question things that don't sit right with you. You get to question anyone and everyone. No one is beyond questioning. Here are a few to help get you started. What do I feel like when I think about this issue? Okay, pay attention to your body cues, especially. What do I like about the stance I've been taking? And what are the values that, that support the stance I've been taking up until now? What do I not like about the stance that I've been taking? What values does it violate to have this stance? Right, and then reverse it. What do I like about maybe the opposite stance 
What values does that opposite stance support, right, et cetera, okay? And then the last bullet underneath, those of you who are experiencing the cognitive dissonance, be relentless in your pursuit of truth and not just truth, but consistency with the truth. One of the things that has really helped me in my journey of getting unstuck and out of the cognitive dissonance was noticing when there was inconsistency, when a principle or a Bible verse or whatever it was, was applied this way in one situation, but then in another situation, mm-mm, you can't, no, 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 you can't, that, that, that's not applied here, <laughs> right? Like look for the inconsistency, okay? Um, be relentless in that. Don't allow yourself to be satisfied with the same answers you've always been given. Dig deeper, read the whole text, search for original meaning or context, look for inconsistencies and be aware of the gaslighting, right? The thing about cognitive dissonance, again, is we can only stay in it for so long And then we have to choose which stance we're going to take, which belief we're going to believe. And if we don't be relentless in finding the truth and finding our alignment, we will default back to the original. Okay, so let's go on and move into me giving some alarms, some tips or tools to those who want to talk with loved ones that are currently experiencing this cognitive dissonance. And maybe they don't even know that they're experiencing this cognitive dissonance, okay? So first of all, when you think about your loved one, think about me. This used to be me. I used to be the one struggling against my shame and my programming that kept me in conflict and cognitive dissonance, right? So so how do we approach people who are likely struggling? One, acknowledge and validate their conflict. This is crucial in my opinion and where I believe that you should start, right? Like saying to them like, man, it, I, I see the conflict and it. it's got to be really hard to have things that are so important to you be in conflict with these things that are important to you over here too, right? Acknowledge and validate the conflict. Then number two, make yourself available to share your views and how you came to see things the way that you did. Point them to experts and resources that can help them with their conflict and their cognitive dissonance. Number three, hold your boundaries. So this one is specifically for you, right? Like so important to hold your boundaries while simultaneously holding empathy for the fact that your loved one almost assuredly has been gaslit into their current cognitive dissonance and will need to be able to see this before they can break free, right? So you don't have to sacrifice yourself, your truth, your boundaries in order to show up for them, right? You get to have your boundaries. And I also encourage you at the same time to try to hold empathy for them, okay? Number four, remember, it is not your responsibility to educate them or convince them of anything. It's easy to get pulled out of our integrity and into debates and power plays and all of those things, right? Our number one priority is to stay in alignment with who we are and our values, right? That's it for setting our alarm today. As I wrap up, I wanted to remind you that I'm going to have some exciting new ways to go through my signature program as soon as I can get all the glitches worked out. So I encourage you to follow me on your preferred social media platform. I'm on Facebook and Instagram as Sarah Morales Coaching. And I'm so sorry for any confusion. I've gone back and forth a little bit on TikTok and because um, I'm kind of learning as I go. I'm staying with Sassy Sarah Deconstructs because I just love it too much. And um, I can't invite y'all to discuss this 
in a live stream until I have a thousand followers. So they don't do live streams until that. So I'm, um, I'm going to be launching some TikTok stuff soon. We'll start having conversations around the podcast at that point. I will have the links for all of these things in my show notes. So dear listener, thank you. Thank you for listening to the things that I had to say today. Thank you for holding space for this and for wanting to learn and wanting to be clear and wanting to have the ability to see where gaslighting happens and how to talk with other people about it from a place of love and empathy. Thank you for listening. Because I believe this particular episode is so important, I'm asking each of my listeners to share it in as many places as you feel comfortable doing whether that's only to like your bestie or whether that's on all your social medias or whatever, I'm asking, share this episode. I believe it's really important. Um, I believe it's really important. Okay. Um, remember, it's not about becoming who you want to be. It's about awakening to all that you already are. And here's Wendy Child, not today. We got stars in the eyes like Oh no, oh no, oh no, oh no, not to die.